You're listening to the Global Sales Leader Podcast. I am your host, Jason Cooper. These episodes are all about sales, but you know, from a different point of view. And this episode is no different to others, but this is all about technology. And with the co-founder of Salesflare, you have Jeroen Kohart. Hopefully I've pronounced his name correctly. And we're going to go through his journey of creating some wonderful technology and how it can help salespeople deliver better results. My name's Jason Cooper, sales training coach. I'm the sales relationship coach. Find out more at my website, jasoncooper.io. Appreciate that. You're going to enjoy this episode. Hello, good morning, good evening, and good afternoon. And wherever you are in this beautiful wide world, welcome to the Global Sales Leader Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Cooper. I'm a sales strategist, sales coach. I'm also a sales relationship coach. So it's all about inspired people, inspired teams, and to deliver better results through relationships that actually last. This series is all about insightful leaders, sales tech, ed tech, and like so much more. And I'm delighted to have a really wonderful guest today. Like I've tried to spend a few moments practicing his name, but uh, look, if I get it wrong, don't blame me, I'm English. So uh, it's Jeroen Korthout, is that correct? Almost, it was only the end. It's Korthout, uh, but it's indeed Jeroen Korthout. Yeah. Oh, we got there, we got there in the end. So that's, that's all cool, so I appreciate that. So. Uh, it's all about gifted leaders that employ brilliant and exceptional intriguing strategies to greater effect to help organizations and people grow. I always like to feel that this is about golden nuggets of knowledge so we can all feed forward and we can all help and inspire people to grow. So you're welcome today. So thank you very much for being a guest today. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. So you've, um, I've looked at your background uh, that you sent me via LinkedIn. You've had a, a little bit of an eclectic background in sort of company directors, uh, managing partners of businesses, co-founders, uh, and your latest business and your CEO of a company called Salesflare. And I think you're going to tell me a little bit more about that as we go along. But can you describe to me in a little bit more detail to your life to date to where you are right now. So just so the, the audience can get a little bit more of a richer background to who you are. Yeah, uh, I would say who I am is probably uh, a, a builder, someone who likes to build stuff for other people. Um, that's how I'd summarize it. So when I was 15, 16, for instance, that was the first moment that I actually started building for others and got some money for it. I was building websites. Uh, it was a lot of fun. It was like the beginning of people getting websites and I built them in Flash, which is now killed off. Yes, yeah, yeah. Cool. yeah, yeah. But that was that was a lot of fun. And that was um, what first sort of got me into entrepreneurship because before that I was I was I was making stuff. Uh, but I was as a kid, you know, like making a camp in the woods or, or creating some kind of I know I, at some point I did drawing at some point I did you know, whatever. Lots of different things, um, but then the websites that 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 got me dreaming. You know, you you do it with others, and it it gives this whole other dimension to things. So I'm I'm sort of a builder for others, and mm-hmm. 
Um, I studied engineering. That's always been, let's say in the family, let's say my dad is sort of a hardcore engineer and um, we, we were always on the track to study engineering. I um, studied electro, electronical engineering first with business management because I knew I wanted to do something with business next to it. I switched to biomedical engineering because I wanted to do something um, more impactful. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a lot of fun. I, I learned a lot extra also because all of a sudden you don't only span engineering, you span medical stuff as well. Yeah, uh, yeah. Super interesting. But then when I went applying for jobs, I never found anything where I could both be a builder and work with people. And um, I then decided to do business school to be able to, to do that because as an engineer, they, they only offer you engineering jobs. And if you want to do something else, you're like, mm, I don't know. Uh, they're very wary about it. But then when I did business school afterwards, I went straight into marketing. Um, so I, um, I figured the best thing was in the healthcare industry, get a marketing job because then I would learn how it was to put products in the market and all that. Um, I ended up doing marketing in a pharma company called Baxter, big okay. US pharma company. Um, it wasn't what I expected it to be. Uh, my uh, scope of influence was very, very small. Uh, I basically got brochures, translated them, uh, taught the salespeople how to use them, made a little website here or there or something and that was sort of it um i didn't do that for long i i actually then uh rekindled my uh, my website knowledge uh, i found out at baxter that nobody really knew how to uh, how to build websites in pharma they were all all marketers almost were for, former salespeople, so not really like digitally savvy yeah and uh, everybody came to me and then I figured, oh, this, this could be my job. I could, <laughs> I, could, uh, I could help pharma become digital. And then I actually met a guy, you know, life happens. And he had a company that already did that. Uh, <laughs> and he had been doing it for years. He said, join us, we'll teach you everything. And then whatever you see, what you want to do. Um, I did that for four years. I learned an enormous amount. It was the first time I was also uh, officially a salesperson. Uh, I was an account manager there. So I would I would um, talk to pharma companies. I would find, find out what their issues were, what they wanted to do, where they wanted to take stuff. I would draft up proposals out of nothing, create budgets, make sure the projects happened, um, budgeted, you know, the whole picture, uh, which was an, an incredible learning experience. And then from there, uh, it's, it kept itching uh, to start a company. So I tried a bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. A, a few of those are on my LinkedIn profile. A few of those are not. Um, and Salesforce is actually the first company that is uh, that is actually a company. <laughs> it's actually <laughs> like successful with a team and we employ people and all that. So. Uh, uh, the question I was going to ask actually, and I should have asked is whereabouts are you in the world today? Because it's... Uh, I love speaking to people from different parts of the world and I know you're not in Ireland and I know you're not in England. So whereabouts actually are you? Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm across uh, a few seas in Antwerp and Belgium. Oh, lovely. And ha- how long have you been there for? Um, in Antwerp itself or in Belgium? Yeah. Or oh, Belgium, yeah. yeah. In Belgium, I, I, uh, I'm actually Belgian. So most of my life, uh, uh, I think we moved 
back to Belgium because I was born in the US. Okay. My, par- my parents were there. I think we moved back when I was uh, 10 months, if I'm not okay. mistaken. So, yeah. so the question I was uh, thinking of is, how did you get to that point of going, this is my passion? What what were the sort of the, the anchor points along the way that went, I, I need to do something. I've, I've actually found my sort of... Uh, my role in life, and this is this is what I aspire to do. Um, I think I, it's something that grows on you progressively, and it, it's not one moment in time or something. You you learn along the way, and I'm still learning. Um, I I read a lot, I do stuff, and then I learn what I like to do, and and I always get a, a little closer. Um, it's good because I'm also getting older at the same time. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't think there was ever really a moment where there was this huge light bulb going off. Mm-hmm. Um, it was also a struggle to find, uh, for instance, you know, you want to start a company, but what are you going to do? Oh, <laughs> that's, yeah. that's been weighing on me for, I think, a few years even. Yeah. Uh, but then when I got started, you know, you, you do one thing and then you meet people and then you see another issue. And then the one thing um, makes the other thing happen. Uh, that's some of the surprising stuff in life is just something you did many years ago might influence now like like today for instance this morning i had a call with someone who was introduced to me by one of the kids that used to be in a camp like i did i did an adventure camp i was a leader in an adventure camp and that kid was there and now he introduces me to someone which might actually be a, a valuable business relationship so in life just you just don't know um and it's a constant um search finding out where you where you fit uh, how things yeah. are going to work out so that's uh, that's also quite interesting i'm always fascinated by how people had that moment of like uh, that light bulb moment or that moment of going this is what i want to do so i'm always intrigued by that especially in leadership um and how people are actually facing that. And how, how do you think people are facing sort of the challenges right now and working towards pivoting in a sort of a new direction? Because we've been involved in this uh, COVID thing all over all over the world right now. And it's uh, we have to pivot in the right way to make sure that we're working. So how, how do you do that? And how, how do you see that? Uh, personally, I'm very blessed to not have a lot of issues with COVID. Um, I didn't have any close relatives dying, which is <laughs> I'm very glad for that. Yeah. Uh, my, our business has been doing uh, really well over the last year. Uh, so I don't have to complain either. I mean, uh, if I would have a restaurant business now, I would be uh, probably devastated. I don't have a B2B business and, and it's online and it's SaaS. I mean, it's, it's a good place to be right now. So very glad about that emotionally there's some stuff here and there but really uh, it's uh i would say first world problems um you know being being all day at home it's it's, it's sometimes the one day is a bit very similar to the previous day let's say uh, so how, how are your uh, how's your leadership style changed over the last 12 months is uh, more of the direct question um not very much either the, the main thing we had to change was uh, the way we internally communicate. 
we made that way more systematic. Uh, like we used to be together in an office. Yeah. And we sort of relied on that for our communication. Like communication would, would, would happen because we were together. Uh, mm -hmm. But then all of a sudden we weren't together. We were all in different places. And then we, we noticed how dysfunctional it actually was. Uh, a lot of it was, was working through chaos, let's say. Yeah. Um, and we, in the first few months of, uh, of, of, of the pandemic, we, we changed a lot of things. Uh, we really have processes for all the communication right now. So it, we just can't not communicate. Uh, it all flows through the system. And I actually have a blog post on that. If anyone is interested, I think it's, uh, if you type Salesflare and manage remote team in Google, you'll find it. Mm -hmm. um, I detailed a bunch of things there that we that we changed. Uh, it's probably not really worth it to go into. No, no, no. I'm, I'm actually quite interested in that. So uh, because of the listeners and they're all into sales, sales leadership and business leadership, if you can give us some sort of top end highlights about what you actually did, because that could actually help others. Yeah. Um, okay, a few tips for communication to flow easily. Um, yeah, first of all, uh, we do a stand-up meeting. It's, it's a very basic thing, but I'm, I'm still going to promote it because it's, 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 it's quite essential. It, it does a few things. We all get together on a call at 9.30 in the morning and we say what we did the previous day and we, what we're going to do that day. This makes that uh, everybody knows what everybody else is going on. You can sort of connect on that. Um, it also makes that you have to reflect uh, yourself about the previous day. The dog in the background's helping you out there, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And my wife is trying to make the dog quiet, but <laughs> she has something against black dogs, and I can see there's a black dog in front of the window. It's a, it's a, it's a childhood trauma of my dog. So <laughs> sorry for that. So uh, yeah, if you'd like to uh, continue on with that, because uh, it's, it's what was I saying? Stand-up meeting. Yeah, yeah. So so it's a good communication moment. Like I I remember working at Baxter and wondering what's this person next to me doing and what's the other person doing. I had no idea. If we would have done a stand-up meeting, I would know from everybody what they were doing and we could better align. This is one. Second, it helps you to align yourself as well because you actually are forced to plan your day and to reflect on the previous one, which is an immense help. It's a really basic productivity hack, mm -hmm. extremely basic, uh, but it, it, it makes such a big difference if you know what you're going to do in a day. Mm -hmm. uh, you just have a, a bullet point list. I'm going to do that, 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 that. And you know what to work on. It's, it's productivity times, I don't know how much. Um, then, um, Another thing, we used to get a lot of people in meetings. We stopped that. We started seeing that, uh, especially when we're all on Zoom together, that if we're more than three in a meeting, it's usually maximum three people have a, having a discussion. It's often two, but two is too little. Three is good because then, you know, you have three voices in a discussion. Yeah. If we're five in a meeting, two people are doing nothing. They just... And, and they very quickly disengage, especially if the meetings take a, a bit longer. We also put a maximum uh, length to meetings, but that's another thing. But then the thing is, if you only involve uh, three people in a meeting, or you keep the meeting small at least, um, then you want to have that information flow through the company. Mm -hmm. And we do two things. Well, first of all, we write meeting minutes as we go. 
we open Google Docs on the left and Zoom on the right, and uh, we type out every decision that we make, uh, even if we decide not to make a decision. Mm -hmm. So, sort of bullet point structure. But that becomes a lot of information, right? You cannot tell people every time, like, this is what we discussed in the meeting. So what we do additionally is uh, at the end of the meeting, we reserve a bit of time, 10, 15 minutes, to write down what we discussed in that meeting, very short, the stuff that other people should know. Yeah. And that yeah. goes in Slack, which we use for our team communication. It's like for people who use Teams, it's like yeah. Teams, but better. <laughs> um, it's a very good resource. Yeah. The question I was actually going to ask you in between that, sorry for the flow there, but um, now you're sort of scaling up and you're probably going to employ a lot more people. Where is the, the learning? Because sometimes the in growth mode, and I've been involved in lots of companies, where is uh, the sort of the, the, the key points to keep knowledge, but also to keep uh, the growth of knowledge as well? So everyone understands, but they can also learn from either failure and also understand how to move forward in, in the right direction does that make sense yeah that makes sense uh, i think a lot of that uh, comes from developing simple processes and 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 keeping improvement going there so uh, additionally next to the, the things i already mentioned we have a bi-weekly team meeting in which we discuss what went well in the past two weeks yeah. and what didn't go so well and based on that we then see what didn't go well and then we start fixing these kind of things and we fix it in a systematic way. It's not like, uh, how are we going to fix what, what happened, but how are we going to fi fix this? How, how can we make sure this doesn't happen in the future? Um, and that very, very often involves changing a process a little bit or focusing a bit more on that, focusing a bit more on, on, on that. And that uh, the continuous improvement in that uh, sense is something that is essential. We also have a, a bi-weekly um, growth meeting for the business team. And then we have a weekly sprint meeting uh, for the developers where it, it goes much more in, in the, the specificities there. And we do uh, operational planning. Mm -hmm. uh, and next to that, we also have strategic meetings and all that, but I won't go into that. Um, what did I want to say? Yeah, and then it's having these processes and, and sometimes you also uh, need to start writing them down. Um, and you start sort of make playbooks, especially for the more complex stuff you do to make sure that you do it in, in, in the way you learned is the best way consistently. There's always this balance, of course, between uh, making a very complex process that uh, you you will find hard to adapt later and you will find hard to implement you need to sort of find a balance where it's uh it's a a powerful but good enough process if you know mm -hmm. what i mean uh, and that's quite interesting um the, the the key question that i was thinking of is there's a lot of noise out there in the marketplace there's a lot of people doing lots of things and it's a very competitive market so how are you pivoting towards change? And what are you doing that's different from all of the, the big giants out there, uh, which uh, one big giant is about three miles down the road for me. So uh, I'm not going to yeah. say it start off with sales and end up with uh, force, but uh, how yeah. are you changing? Um, and how are you distinguishing yourself to be different? 
Yeah, with, with, with that giant, it's not too hard because their software is really like uh, enterprise software, which isn't very much, um, uh, it's not a very good fit for small and medium-sized businesses. And we focus on small and medium-sized businesses. That, that's not very hard. Some other uh, larger players are slightly harder. Um, what we uh, do different is first the product. Uh, most CRMs um, don't really work in the end. They promise you that it's going to work. But then because they put such high expectations on you as a user to do all kinds of stuff mm -hmm. um, uh, and um, uh, concretely uh, an enormous amount of data input uh, for which you then as a user don't get a whole lot in return. Uh, that's what our software, that's the reason we started Salesforce actually, uh, because we saw this can all be automated. Like the information that you're, you're, you're inputting uh, can be pulled from all kinds of different systems. And we saw a system that uh, basically does that for you and you just have to curate it uh, so that the system already has everything. Yeah. Um, that's one second. We focus very much on making that extremely simple, um, making the whole experience um, very understandable uh, without too many friction points. Yeah. Uh, it's, a, it's a focus of what we call it in SaaS onboarding, like software as a service, we call it onboarding. And, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then it's on building strong relationships because that's where we get most of our growth from. And as a small company, we can do that mm -hmm. because we still have very tight uh, lines, let's say between customers and product. Mm -hmm. Where in a larger company, it's it's much much harder to to keep this organized. Um, we're at a scale where we can deliver, um, like let's say, really good customer service. If you if you go on G2.com, I think we're list, we're um, second in terms of best customer service out okay. of all the CRMs out there. So. Okay, oh, that's really good. Um, as you say, it's all about relationships. There's something that um, I'm into big time and that's I, I train and coach people to be better relationship builders because we know that if you it takes you so much time and effort to gain a customer there yeah. are a lot of challenges along the way with uh, a lot of sales professionals out there is they don't maintain the relationship they go for account executive account director and business development and so on and so forth so there's lots yeah. of touch points but no one really gets back to that customer what do you do uh, and how do you do that even internally, but how would you advise external sales professionals to do that? Um, well, there's a, there's a few things that that uh, come into play here. First, you need to have the information somewhere. You cannot just rely on what is in your brain. That's never going to work because you probably have a lot of customers. Yeah. And plus, if things rotate, uh, like one person switches to another place and then you need to restart all kinds of relationship you know i have no idea where you left off that's that's horrible mm -hmm. um but it's also about information flowing between departments uh for instance in, in our case uh if uh, customer support slash sales which is the same thing for us yep. here's something uh, this goes into a system where both the codes so the, the, the code that the developers write and the conversations with the customers are linked up in one place, mm -hmm. uh, which makes that we have a very tight connection there. And even then 
people say stuff, we use all of it as input to make specs to then like functional specs, technical specs, develop it. And then when it gets developed, we actually communicate back to these customers personally to all of them to then ask, okay, is this what you expected? And we close the feedback loop like that, which is, I mean, one of the essential um, processes you can have in a, in a SaaS company, a software as a service company, because that's what it's all about, right? Uh, yeah. You create a product that people want and you want to improve it. And you know. um, relationship-wise, um, it's also a matter of following up at the right times. We have a, a big part of that automated, at least our outreach to uh, get in touch again. And then mm -hmm. from there, we can we can easily pick up the conversation all the time. Um, a lot of it is very um, basic when you think about it. It's just uh, taking people seriously uh, is, is, is a large part of, of what makes you successful nowadays. Of course. Um, like when people thinking um while we're talking is salespeople are renowned to take shortcuts and if you can make their job easier and if you can make their job simpler without too many touch points and as roger dooley said uh, i spoke to a few weeks ago uh expert in sort of neuromarketing and, and, mm -hmm. and so on and so forth if you have the less uh traction along the way uh, then it's easier for the person to either buy or easier for the salespeople to actually be more productive with their time, but with less effort. Uh, and that's the key thought, as long as they have the knowledge around them and the research around them, so they're more sort of academically researched based on the clients. And obviously mm -hmm. the clients are more sort of uh, receptive to yourself and they're more up the sort of a warm to uh actually speak to so yeah i'll be interested about how you actually do that along the way oh it's uh it's it's partly about keeping data it's partly about having a follow-up system and tracking information about people at the right time uh and it's partly about just using a bit of empathy uh which is uh something if yeah uh, if you if you uh, take sales as a sort of um uh, how can I say it's a routine and it's a machine and all that. And if you don't treat every customer uh, with the sort of respect and empathy they deserve, that it's 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 very easy as a company to get in in, in sort of that flow. Uh, so you consciously need to uh, stay out of that. Um, but the basics first are um, getting your data right, keeping it updated, and uh, setting up this follow up flow. Mm -hmm. uh, because the rest from there is just applying your humanity. It's, uh, it's less complex. Absolutely. And we know now that like, data is king. Like data really helps the whole process. So based on that, um, I'm sure you have a little bit of artificial intelligence in there, uh, like everyone does now, uh, learning. How do you see the next 12 months or even the next five years? Um, where, where do you, if you had a crystal ball, um, where do you think you might be going? Um, first of all, there's going to be a lot of consolidation in the space. I'm pretty sure about that. Mm -hmm. um, so we've seen a lot of different sales tools uh, out there and it's all separate tools and a lot of that just doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's, that's going to uh, centralize. 
uh, we, we used to think about CRM as if, as if it's a database, but actually it's a sales tool. So hence CRM and sales tools become one and the, the sales tools will be absorbed in the CRM uh, most probably. Uh, secondly, what you said, artificial intelligence. A lot of people say there's artificial intelligence in their products. Uh, mostly it's just uh, uh, if statements, let's say, <laughs> just very simple algorithms. Um, but artificial intelligence, actually, it's going to start happening um, because the, the amount of data that's getting organized is just increasing and increasing. And that's the, that's the basis for artificial intelligence is to have that data, to have proper data, to have organized data, a, a large pool of data. Uh, because as soon as you have that and the artificial intelligence itself is sort of getting ready for it technology-wise, Mm -hmm. You can do all kinds of stuff. Uh, so expect to see a lot of new things uh, happening uh, in that space. Awesome. Yeah, that, that, I'm fascinated, but I'm also extremely excited because I know how data really helps the salesperson and to have the insights and to make it a little less friction, frictionless as possible. So they, uh, the, the salespeople can just get on and just get on with what they love to do, which is the key thing about getting on the phone or working with the marketing team so they can get nice leads and so on and so forth. So how would you view success and what does success mean to you? Oh, uh, good question for us. Um, happy customers, first of all. Um, and then uh, secondly, more customers because you can make customers happier, but if you have more as well, it's, it's, you know, it's the, the one times the other is, yeah. is success, I would say. Awesome. So the last, last question I'm going to ask you, just to throw you out. Um, so if you had a magic pill and you swallowed it and gave you some sort of superpower, what would it be and how do you utilize it? But you only have five minutes to have it. Oof, five minutes. Uh... Oh, I, I want to give a very lame answer, but I'm not going to do it. Uh, like a, a pill that gives you the superpower to have other superpowers, you know, that kind of answer. Now, uh, good question. I guess a sort of, uh, I mean, if we think about it, what, what, what would be the best? It would be uh, for us to all save the world, right? Uh, yeah. The thing is, we don't really know how. So if I would get a bill and uh, it would give me the insight and I could write it all down uh, in five minutes and then, uh, or after the five minutes, maybe I still remember. Yeah. Uh, I have it all written down and then we can just execute. That would be awesome. Awesome. Uh, well, thank you so much. How can people find out more about you? Uh, if you want to find out more about uh, Salesware, it's on salesware.com. Um, it's a flare with F-L-A-R-E. Uh, and there you can read about the software. We have a blog with a lot of interesting articles if you're interested. You can also see the software. Uh, you can see it even before you connect to your emails nowadays. And then there is a trial of, that has a variable length. As you set it up, you get more days, somewhere up to 30 days. And if you have a bigger team, even more. Uh, and if you want to get in touch with me, uh, LinkedIn is probably the best place. Uh, you can send me a connection request, but please do include a personal message. Uh, otherwise, 
I won't be able to know where you're coming from and you will just disappear in a sea of spam. But if you include a message, I promise you I will get in touch. Uh, and we can have a chat. Awesome. So really, thank you so much. Uh, you've been listening to the Global Sales Leader podcast. I'm your host, Jason Cooper. I'm the sales relationship coach. So really help sales professionals sell better and help buyers buy from you in a more of an authentic, uh, integral way so that you all grow together and you all hit the bottom line together. So thanks so much today. And uh, if you like what you hear today, please share it on all of the podcast channels, iTunes and Spotify. We are also on YouTube as well. So please share the love as well. So thank you once again. Yeah, thank you. This was fun. Thank you once again for listening to this episode of the Global Sales Leader Podcast, episode 15. We're slowly flying through them, aren't we? If you like what you hear um, and you want to hear more, please share this around. It really helps me develop more relationships with some more phenomenal global leaders that can add more impact to what you're hearing in these episodes. Uh, if you have any questions, please email me at jcooper at jasoncooper.io or visit my website at www.jasoncooper.io. Appreciate this. And if you can, give it a five-star rating if you choose to. Appreciate that. <laughs>